This evening we continue in our verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Corinthians, a message titled Divine Revelation versus Human Reason. Divine Revelation is objective. It's clearly spelled out for us in the written word of God. Human reason can take on any shame, uh, shape, shape or form, uh, any, um, uh, any angle that suits that particular moment. In other words, there isn't any reason if left to mankind to figure it out. But in the Lord, there is perfect revelation. We've been considering God's wisdom versus man's so-called wisdom the past couple of messages in 1 Corinthians, the wisdom of God, the supernatural enabling to understand, comprehend spiritual truth, and those who are lost cannot experience that. And I got to thinking about it. And I thought, well, they understand words. Lost people know how to read. Uh, They know the vocabulary. And, And I did when I was lost. But then it occurred to me, the times that I tried to read the word of God when I was lost, I was able to read the words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Or John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All all things were uh, created uh, by him, and without him was not anything made which was made. And and I could read those words, and you could too, and, and lost people can as well. But for a lost person, It's a letter coming from a stranger. You appreciate the difference? You can read the words from on a letter, from a letter that which was sent by a stranger, but it's altogether different than if it was a letter sent from grandmother or your spouse or your child who lives hundreds of miles away. It's altogether different. And yet, you, you understand the words in the same way, but it takes on a life of its own because of the intimacy and the relationship. Well, that's God's revelation to his people. And we consider a bit more of that this evening in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 through 16. If you would look at that. What do I do? Away or Closer. Am I, am I, okay, well, some, don't, don't, don't say it that way, folks could just take off and say, yeah, there's a lot of, every time he preaches, there's a lot of wind blowing around. <laughs> See, I don't take myself very seriously, that's a good thing, right? Take this very seriously. All right, 1 Corinthians 2, beginning in verse 9, but as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world but the Spirit who is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words 
which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Spirit teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he might instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Two primary notes if you're taking notes. Two two primary points if you're taking notes. And we see in verses 9 through 13, verses 15 and 16, that believers have divine revelation, or maybe better stated, have been given divine revelation. We don't have it innately. We don't have it inherently in ourselves, but we've been, and I like it, uh, I'd like you to expand that point. We've been given divine revelation. Truth from God himself, he has given that to us, and we see that throughout scripture. We see throughout scripture that God spoke um, and it was written down, and uh, it was then delivered to his people through human vessels. Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Second Peter 1 tells us. And there's two particular uh, ways, if you will, or, or uh, means of communicating divine truth, divine revelation to us. First of all, it was through God-given inspiration. He inspired the writing of the Word of God. Verses 9 through 13 suggests that. Man did not discover truth on his own. In fact, he cannot discover truth apart from the Word of God. Now, I wish someone would have challenged me uh, when I was 12 or 14 or 16 when, of course, at that time in my life, I knew everything. I knew all that there was to know. Uh, not unlike a lot of 14-year-old guys or 16-year-old. But I wish someone would have said to me, you can't know anything apart from what the Word of God says. Now, to be sure, Scripture doesn't say everything about everything, but everything about which it does speak is absolute truth. Amen? And so it is authoritative. It is without error, and it speaks on practically every subject uh, known to man, not just theology, not just anthropology, uh, the doctrine of the study of man, uh, but geology and biology and, and uh, even chemistry. Uh, it, it alludes to and, and uses even some chemical terms in, uh, in the original writing. And so everything about which it does speak is authoritative and man does not have that innate capacity to do that. In fact, it even takes God to be able to understand God. Look at verse 9. For the longest time, I got this one wrong. I, I, and, and, and I don't even know how I came to the awareness of that. But verse 9, at first, at first glance, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for those that love him. At first blush, it looks like it's alluding to the glories of heaven. Oh, we can't even fathom how glorious heaven will be, the streets of gold and uh, 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 the, the, the pearly gates and, and uh, Jesus will be there and our uh, fellow saints. And all. At first blush, it appears that it's talking about the glories of heaven, that one day we will be free of our earthly burdens 
and we will experience that. The context suggests otherwise. Oh, to be sure, it may include those things, but the context is arguing that what it, what it is saying is that God is not discovered by seeing, hearing, or imagining. Now, try that on. Try that understanding on, and it says, it's written, I have not seen. In other words, I've not, I don't understand God by seeing anything. Ear hath not heard. That is, it's not like somebody is telling me about uh, who uh, uh, having an understanding of God. Neither as entering the heart of man. I can't even imagine who God is. That is on my own, apart from divine revelation. Just human reason and somebody else giving me a philosophy for life or me dreaming up, conjuring up my own philosophy of life, it does not happen. And the things that God hath prepared for them that love him are understood through the revelation that he gives. And so, look at verse 9 this way. I, ear, imagination of the heart and mind are void and vacant. But God has prepared truth for those who follow him. So this is not talking about the glories uh, and the wonder of heaven. This is talking about, verse 9 is talking about the glory and the wonder of the revelation he has provided for us. To be sure, that includes the glories of heaven, but it includes all kinds of things. Do you all follow that argument? You see, it's important that you interpret every word, every phrase, every verse in light of the context. I didn't do that for the longest time. You see, think about it this way. Where, where do you find, anywhere in and around verse 9, anything about celestial bliss? It's not there. It's imposed. It's eisegesis. It's imposing it upon the text. But what you do find throughout this whole argument is the glory and wisdom of divine revelation and rejecting the emptiness, the futility of human reason. You appreciate that argument? Try, try it on for size. Uh, there's an example of how mankind can think one thing and it be altogether something different. So really we're talking about inspiration here. It's the supernatural transmission or the imparting of God's truth to man. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. <clears throat> Profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so the revelation uh, was given through, in this case, the Apostle Paul, others. Notice, if you will, this is interesting, verse 10, verses 12 and 13, it uses the word we and us and does not use the word you. Notice in verse 10, God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Verse, um, verse uh, uh, 12, now we have received... Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is of God. That we might know the things. It doesn't doesn't say that you might know. It doesn't say you Corinthians might know. It's talking about... Now, he could be using the editorial we uh, in the sense of he and the Corinthians. But it sure seems like he is intimating. He is indicating that what he has been given is being communicated to them. And he's the conduit 
through whom the revelation came. Do you, do you follow that argument? Uh, and, and that seems to be what is emphasized there. So the Spirit of God breathed out his revelation to human authors. And notice in this text, it's because he knows everything. At the end of verse 10, it says, For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. It is not saying that he's trying to discover something. It's not saying that the Holy Spirit is trying to discover something that he didn't know. But it means that he invades every sphere. He invades uh, and permeates everything that there is. And he knows all things. There isn't anything which escapes his knowledge and his attention. Therefore, he has communicated to us everything he wants to communicate to us through the written word. Folks, there's no new revelation. The next one who says to you, God came to me and spoke to me and said, Oh, are you a prophet? Are you a friend of Jeremiah? Or how about of Isaiah? How about of Daniel? How about of Hosea? How about of, uh, of Micah? The, the, word, the canon is closed. Scripture is sealed up. He's given us, he's imparted truth, divine revelation, to the degree that he deemed was his will. And we have that revelation. He's omnipresent. He searched the deep things. Uh, and certainly that belong, that includes the plan of redemption. Now notice what, what, he's, what he has done with it in verse 12. At the end of verse 12. We've received, in ver- the first part of verse 12. And, that, and um, that we might know the things, look, freely given to us of God. You can't buy God's revelation. You can't bargain for it. Nor could Paul, nor could anyone else. He has leaked out his revelation. He has inspired it over, throughout time in those first 4,000 years of world history, give or take. In the increments and in the doses that he deemed that he wanted to do. that, And, and he freely gave us that revelation of himself. My I'm so glad I don't have to figure out life. Aren't you thankful? You don't have to figure out life? What's the song um, in the 60s? What's it all about, Alfie? You remember that one? What's it all about? <laughs> who, can, who can know? But the Spirit searches out everything and knows all uh, and is omnipresent. And he has deemed it right and good and wise to communicate to us this information through the written word. Wow. God-given inspiration. Secondly, we see, oh, I should have given you uh, that verse. I'm sorry. Matthew 4, 4. Man shall not live by, every, uh, uh, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Divine inspiration and then god-given illumination he turns the light on verses 15 and 16 some even many read and study like i read the bible occasionally when i was lost never grasped the meaning of it and that was true of the pharisees they were lost they didn't know they they knew the old testament they were the ones who had a copy of the scroll and yet they did not have a personal relationship with its author 
Therefore, the page was dark as far as understanding goes. Until the Lord turns on the light, um, we cannot comprehend what he has communicated. And I used the, uh, the illustration a few minutes ago of it's reading a letter from a stranger. Yeah, I know what the words say, but uh, I don't know the heart of it. I, I don't know the context. I don't know the motive because I don't know the author. But in, in this case, we do know the author. Therefore, we trust what it says. Folks, I go to Scripture, and I, I, I'm guessing you do too. I want a, a hearty amen in just a moment uh, if this is you. I go to Scripture presupposing its accuracy. I already I already approach it saying in my heart and mind this is true in fact I don't even entertain that it's not true I I I go to it with the conviction of my soul that this is without error and if I'm not getting it the, the, the problem lies with my understanding not with the authority of the word itself now either I'm going to approach it that way or I'm not and if I'm not then what is truth? Pilate asked. You don't have any. You don't have any illuminating aspect of the word if you don't presuppose. And the psalm uh, presuppose that is true. And the psalmist did. Psalm one nineteen one hundred five. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. I can read the words, but I, it's also illuminated. It, uh, it's lit up. I know the author. It's personal. It's real. It's alive. It's vital. And it is alive in me as I take it in, believe it, and obey what it says. <clears throat> Psalm 119, 18 says, A prayer, open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. <laughs> in other words, I believe, but I don't get everything. Lord, uh, this, is, this, is, this is fuzzy to me. This is hazy. Just like what I shared a few minutes ago from verse 9. I used to think it was one thing. And, and I, I would scratch my head and think, why is it talking about the glory of, uh, of heaven and, and eternal bliss right here in the middle of divine wisdom and, and human reason? It isn't. That's the point. And so I needed more clarity. I needed more light. Uh, Brother Scott... Why did I, the first five years of my life, continue to pray for the forgiveness of sins as a believer? Because I didn't understand 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many times do I need to be cleansed from all unrighteousness? Well, that's my, my past sins. Folks, at the time of the cross, all my sins were future, right? And if he cleansed me from all unrighteousness when I called upon him, how many more times do I need to be cleansed from all unrighteousness? You follow the hermeneutics in that? And so <clears throat> he turns on the light, and we understand it more and more. I'm guessing uh, for the same reason why it takes four years to get through a bachelor's degree. If you received everything in one dose, I mean, when I haven't got my degree in chemistry, I started off in 1980 going to the Royals game uh, when George Brett was hit 390. Remember that year? That was a fun year. 
And he had something else go on that year, too. We won't talk about that. And I took my chemistry book, and I sat out there in between innings just studying the periodic table. If I would have been given the material that year that I received as a senior, I, I, you might as well have been speaking Martian to me. In other words, I needed it incrementally, precept upon precept, principle upon principle. Are y'all, are y'all, am I, anybody here? <laughs> uh, that's the illumination of the inspired word. And, of course, one must compare spiritual things with spiritual. That is, make sure that my understanding is accurate. And that's not new revelation. That's simply shining the light, turning the light on in your mind. Uh, the revelation doesn't change. It just, you, you change or I change to understand it better. Martin Luther said and wrote, The Bible cannot be understood simply by study or talent, your ability. You must count only on the influence of the Holy Spirit. He must help you in this. And that ought not surprise us. I mean, this is the, this, these are the things of God of the infinitely, uh, um, of the omniscient, eternal, self-existent creator of the universe who always was, the ancient of days. And he is communicating to a little tiny morsel of clay, namely me. So it ought not be too surprising that we need him to help us understand him and the things of God. John Calvin wrote, the testimony of the Spirit is superior to reason, human reason that is, for these words will not obtain full credit in the hearts of men until they are sealed by the inward testimony of the Spirit. When, when I'm involved in counseling, unless I just know the person real well, I'll go to the cross first thing. I'll talk about doesn't matter what, I, it doesn't even matter what the issue is that the person brings to me. I, I'll listen uh, and I'll hear it and I'll say, okay, tell me of your eternal hope. What is your hope of eternal life? And on, in whom and or, or on what are you placing that? Because I know that unless the person has spiritual discernment, the capacity to understand the things we've got, then I'm just, it's just pop psychology if it's if that person is understanding it as a lost person. You hear what I'm saying? So the gospel, you go to the cross first uh, and establish that uh, before moving on. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God, which He inspired, and He shines the light of truth into the hearts of His people. And 1 John 2.27 says that. It says, but the anointing which you have received of Him abides in you the anointing abides in you and the anointing is who gave you the revelation namely the spirit of God and you need not that any man teach you uh, for the anointing spirit of God is going to turn on the spotlight and so you've been given divine revelation believers have and it's been through inspiration That is, he supernaturally moved upon the hearts and minds of writers of Scripture to pen his words. 
And in the course of you studying, he is giving you clarity and understanding of what he has already revealed. But because you're not perfect and you're not in heaven and you still struggle with language and understanding, as do I, Spirit of God opens that up, illuminates that step by step. In fact, a good example of this, uh, uh, not quite a good example because these guys, uh, this was for salvation. But Luke 24, 45, when he's on the road to Emmaus, Jesus was speaking to these men. He opened their minds to understand the scripture. Christ turned on the light. This is before Pentecost, before the Spirit of God lived in believers. But it's the same concept. God must turn on the light in order for people to understand and receive it. So in a word, the spiritual man, those who know the Lord, elevate divine revelation, reject human reason, and subject their minds, their imaginations, to the objective truth of the Word of God. And like I said, I come to it already presupposing this is wise, this is good, uh, I'm, I'm to do it, and I'm better off, and God is glorified if I will, even when it doesn't feel just right. Well, Lord, you don't know what my wife said to me. Well, maybe you do know, but you don't know how it feels. You weren't married, Jesus. Wait a minute. He was tempted in every point as we are, yet without sin. And I have to love her? As you loved me, that's not fair. And I can offer, whatever it might be, he got a raise at work and I didn't. That person smoked cigarettes for 50 years and doesn't have cancer and I do. Just anything that one wants to lay out, you can address it with human reason. But every time it's going to be a dead end. There's no power, there's no victory when I look at something through man's philosophy or understanding. But if I will subject my experience to what the word actually says, what is there? I will guide you into truth. Thy word is truth. And the truth shall set you free. Praise the Lord. He came to set the captive free. How? By giving truth so that it can be received and understood and acted upon. Wow, what a gift that believers have been given. And then we see, secondly and quickly, unbelievers have depraved reason. Believers have been given divine revelation. Unbelievers have depraved reason, not revelation. And this is why scripture at best is just filled with nice ideas. But in most cases it's dismissed or rejected or I can't understand that. Verse 14 speaks to that. If you'll notice the natural man, that is so that person outside of Christ. Might be a religious person, might be a, a spiritually minded person. But if he or she is not saved, that person is the natural man. And the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because those things are foolishness. What do you mean, die to self? Die to self? No, I have to look out for number one. No, no. You try to do that, you save your life, you're going to lose it. 
But if you die to self, you inherit eternity with him. And so, unbelievers have depraved reason. A couple of ways that it's played out, it seems to suggest here in verse 14. First, they search for that which is objective, empiricism. What's empiricism? It's scientifically using observation and experimentation to come to an understanding about something which is unknown. In other words, I don't know the answer to that, so I'm going to observe, I'm going to experiment, I'm going to try this, that, and the other thing, and I'm going to keep doing that until it works. I'm going to ask others who are equally blind and deaf uh, and mute and depraved, and maybe they can help me come to an understanding. Because that's all human reason can do. If you reject divine revelation, what other avenue must can you go? There's only one other path, and that's human reason. And human reason is a dead end. It simply doesn't work. So lost man tries to find God, discover truth. And even though it's true that the heavens declare the glory of God, the heavens are not God. So you can see the fingerprint of God everywhere. This couldn't have just happened by accident, the lost person says. Therefore, it came about by evolution. Okay, Mr. Lost Man, let's follow that line of thought. Where did the first atom come from? Where did the first molecule come from? Extrapolate all the way back to the very first instant of evolution. Aliens planted it here. That's a new, a new thought. A- and that begs the question, where the aliens come from? <laughs> How'd they get here? You see, a rational mind will say in the final analysis, I'm clueless and I'm hopeless and I'm helpless. Now, that would be a good conclusion. <laughs> it would be good to come to, to that conclusion as a lost person that I don't have the answer. That's why evolution is not a science problem. It's a sin problem because it's denying biblical and divine revelation. You can't find God by feeling around for him empirically in the laboratory. Secondly, the search of lost people sometimes takes on a subjective feeling, rationalism. Rationalism supposes that the intellect or the ability to reason is the source of knowledge. Well, I'll figure this out. I'll figure it out. If I die, I'll deal with that then. And uh, somehow that pacifies The conscience that uh, I'll do okay, I'll be okay, you'll you'll be okay, Uh, it's uh, it's the rationalist who with Descartes would say, I think therefore I am. Well, that's fine if it leads to the cause of why you're thinking, but if that's the end of it, then it's a dead end as well. Human reasoning. If it's an end to itself, it is a dead end. 
Did you all hear that? Human reason, if it becomes an end in itself, that is, I'm not going anywhere else, I'll figure this out or I'll read about those who have. It's a dead end because it does not answer the great issues of life. Where is God? Who is God? Where am I headed? How do I get there? Human reason cannot answer that. But divine revelation has. Not just can. It has answered that. Why can't human reason do it? Because the prophet Jeremiah understood and the Spirit of God inspired him to tell us the heart of man is deceitful above all things. You will trick yourself every time if you have to come up with the answer. The heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? He can't even know his own heart. But God in his goodness has given us his revelation and he's given it to us freely folks in this our year of being in the world not of the world the best safeguard for being victorious in that is fully embracing wrapping your arms around divine revelation what does it say Jesus is Lord I am not I'm to follow him. He calls me to follow him. He, has, he will equip me, and he has given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. And the power to live victoriously in this world. But that's only if I embrace wholeheartedly divine revelation, what he has said in his word. May we be uh, people of the book who understand the gift of divine revelation and see the danger of human reason that's being batted around everywhere in our culture in this day. Lord, I'm so thankful for your word, the truth of it, the clarity of it, that as we study, as we rightly divide the word of truth, we'll, uh, we'll come with a greater uh, understanding and then proper application to actually live for you in a depraved, decadent, and damned world and culture. And Lord, that, uh, that would not just be an end in itself, but it would be unto shining the light of the gospel to this world. Use us in that way all our days that we truly would not try to figure things out through what we see, what we hear, what we conjure up, but be rooted and grounded in the truth, the bedrock of the written word of God. And in doing that, you are honored because it's truth. We are blessed and will make a difference in this world for the cause of Christ. Uh, Use this text in that way in our lives. Lord Jesus, in your glorious name, we do pray.